right, all right, all right. What's up, everybody? And welcome back to the final installment of season one of the podcast. And as I make this video for the third time, <laughs> it's actually kind of crazy to think about all of the hours, energy, and effort I've put into getting this whole thing off the ground. And although it hasn't translated yet to massive success yet in terms of my analytics, I'm still grateful for each and every person that's been on the show, but also everybody that listens because I couldn't do this without y'all. So I want to credit all of my guests that have blessed us with their presence in this inaugural season. And I'm so appreciative that I could be somewhat a part of their journeys, even if in the smallest way, because I feel like some of these people are going to be straight up stars from Shalom to Danny to Camille to Threezy to Ben. I had a heavy hitter list of lineup in this first season. <laughs> that was a tongue twister. But with that said, my supporters can expect another episode in a few weeks or so. I say that because summer is approaching and I feel like it's only right that as the weather breaks, I try to get out and enjoy myself a little more. As of next month, which is only a couple weeks away, I'll have been in Atlanta for about a year now and I feel like there's still so much more that I have to experience and so many more people that I got to meet so I can continue to bring y'all these fire guests. So hopefully on the next episode, if there is a guest with me, the background will look a lot different and the production value will have only gotten better because I've learned so much with y'all throughout this season. Now, before we get into the nitty gritty of this episode, I want to give a quick shout out to one of my friends from back home, Nadira. And I want to give Nadira a shout out because... We were having a conversation recently about something that was totally unrelated to the podcast, and she actually inspired some of the content for today's episode. And it's funny because I knew that I wanted to do a solo episode sometime soon, but before talking to her, I just couldn't find an overarching theme that could weave all of the things together that I wanted to share with y'all today. So I got that from Nadira, and a part of today's message is going to be about simplifying your life because that's something that we talked about in depth. But we're also going to be talking about managing feelings of jealousy, envy, and insecurity as it pertains to self, friendships, and even family members. <laughs> and I'm excited for this conversation, y'all, because whenever I do a solo episode, it's almost like a live reflection session. And I learned so much about myself during these episodes and so much more about other people in preparation for these. One of my friends actually said that he feels like after he listens to my solo episodes, it feels like he went to therapy. And I would like to think that that's a compliment. Anytime some content or some artwork or anything that was created can cause you to be reflective, I feel like that thing has done its job. So hopefully that means I'm doing my job, y'all. So to get the conversation started, I want to share with y'all something that recently happened, and I touched on it briefly in the episode with Shalom, but I went viral on Instagram, and I'm referencing it again because I want to paint a picture that will help y'all understand the larger scope of this episode's true message. So I went pretty viral on Instagram, and this is probably the most viral I've ever been, y'all. Like, I've had YouTube videos hit 20,000 plus views. I've had moments on Twitter where I got my little 15 minutes of fame. But I can honestly say that this time, it was a little different, y'all. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> on this specific post that I'm referring to, 
I got over 700,000 views between Instagram and Facebook. It's probably a lot more than that. 50,000 likes on Instagram, hundreds of comments, thousands of followers, and way too many DMs. I literally went up from 1,500 followers to 5,000, and it feels like it happened overnight. Now, the thing about going viral is that you can either go viral for the wrong reason or you can go viral for the right reason, but... Either way, the feeling is very fleeting, and it also puts this sense of pressure on you because you feel like you got to follow that up with something even greater. And I feel like if you don't have a strong sense of self and a good head on your shoulders, you can almost get lost in all of the attention because it feels like something more than what it really is. Instagram followers and likes doesn't necessarily translate to anything in real life if you're wondering. Now, I'm not downplaying how I feel about any of this because, of course, it's super exciting seeing the numbers fluctuate and having such a huge spotlight on you. But when you're a person like myself, what this attention does more than anything is cause you to reflect. And what I tend to reflect on is the state of our culture, the things we place our value and importance on, societal privileges, and what approach I plan to take as I seek to build my platform up. One thing I always talk about with my friends is that my journey is probably going to take a little longer to grow because... There's no drama or negativity in my content. Shoot, I barely curse in my video. So I'm definitely taking the stairs and growing an organic support base. And that's something that I'm 100% okay with because I knew that it was going to be like this. It's just a little funny, though, because if you've noticed, each time that I ever went viral, it usually had something to do with my looks. And I could easily be the person that plays into that and change the whole nature of my brand. But... I don't know. That's not really what I want to stand for or what kind of impression I want to leave on the kids that look up to me. I personally feel like I have so much more substance to offer people. So I do recognize that there is a certain level of privilege that comes with being light skinned and looking, quote unquote, exotic due to certain features I have. But that privilege is something I never really understood up until recently, if I'm being completely honest with you all. And one of the conversations that really initiated that process was, I was about to say it was recently, but it's going on four or five years since I've been removed from college. I'm getting old, but I'll never forget this conversation. There was a girl that I really liked in college. <laughs> I was going crazy over this girl, y'all. And I happened to be running this campaign to get book bags and school supplies for kids in my neighborhood at the time that I met her. So mind y'all i had only been at temple for about a semester because i had just transferred over as a junior so looking back it probably was a little audacious that i tried to do something like this in my first or second semester there but i don't know that's just the way i'm wired like i don't really see limitations when it comes to accomplishing my goals or things of that nature so initially i had a small goal which was to get 25 book bags filled with school supplies that i could donate to kids in my neighborhood back home but after a lot of support and campaigning, I was able to raise over $5,000 in less than a month that I used to get over 250 Jansport book bags because we had to get the name brand and they were filled with school supplies. And we even got a year's worth of uniforms for a lucky boy and girl that won the raffle. And I just remember as this was happening, I was so excited. I was so happy at what I had done. So I was having a conversation with her and we were talking about it and she looked at me and she was like, boy. You are so naive. And I was like, what you mean? And 
she was like, the only reason that all these people are supporting you like this is because half of them think that you're attractive and want a reason to get close to you. You think all of these people just got good hearts and want to give their money away to somebody they don't even know? And when she said that, I took it personally. I feel like it's hard not to take something like that personally, and it really messed my head up. And I can't lie, it really it hurt for a second because... I'm the type of person that works hard for every single thing that I have, y'all. And for those of y'all who listened to the very first couple episodes of my podcast, you would know that I had a challenging ass upbringing. So prior to this, I had never thought about using my image as a form of social currency. I always thought I was just like everybody else. And I say that because when you grow up how I did, it's kind of hard to see the special privilege in that. Not to say that there's anything wrong with my family and how they raised me because they always made a way for us but i just was never the kid that had all of the nicest clothes and sneakers growing up i may have had relatively more than some of my peers but i never assumed that i was better than anybody because of the things i had and maybe that's because of how i was raised or maybe because deep down i knew my family's circumstances but i was always one of those kids who had just enough to get by and somebody who tried their best to fit in wherever they could i don't even think i ever really had a group growing up i don't even think that i really ever found my crowd even to this day but i will say that from a young age i always had this feeling that something about me was different i just couldn't pinpoint why yet or i feel like maybe i knew i just didn't ever really surrender to that feeling and the funny thing is it had nothing to do with how I looked because I grew up in an area where kids bust on each other ruthlessly. <laughs> so when I was young, my confidence in my appearance was shot. <laughs> if I did feel the slightest bit of good about myself, when I would go outside into my neighborhood and go to school, oh, it was gone. It was gone from there. I heard it all from I look like Sinbad, the comedian. And imagine being in elementary school and having to Google something when you get home because you don't know why everybody laughing at you. I just didn't know who that was. I was called chocolate chip cookie face monkey. Somebody said that they could play connected dots on my face. And it's crazy that a lot of this stuff was said in elementary school and middle school. But it followed me throughout my whole life. And I never forgot what those people said to me. And when I would go home. I would literally try to scrub my face until it turned red because I wanted to remove my freckles. I hated them. I even used to take my aunt's razors and, oh my God, this is so embarrassing telling you this, y'all, because it's embarrassing because I didn't know what my aunt was using a razor for. Now, I grew up in a household full of women, but I just had no idea elementary school, middle school. I thought everybody used razors for beards mustaches a quick trim in my case i was using it for my widow's peak so now that i know and i'm reflecting on oh my god this is crazy <laughs> but basically y'all i used to take my aunt's razors and shave off my widow's peak before school because i just didn't want people to see it and i didn't feel like going through the headache of getting busted on when i got to school and one time i even used one of those flat rectangular erasers and I tried to give myself a fade. <laughs> and I don't know how, y'all, but I just ended up giving myself a whole bunch of patches. And that was around the time where ringworms was really rampant. So when I went back to school, everybody was like, oh, you got ringworms and blah, blah, blah. So when it came to looks, I took a lot of L's early on, y'all. And I didn't know that 
I was good looking or had any attractive privilege. I don't even think I was thinking like that at all. I don't even know what privilege was at that age. You know, I just thought I was just like all of my friends. I just thought I was normal, which I was. <laughs> now, a lot of times it would be my friends that would compliment me. And in those moments, I would always pull the Spider-Man meme and like try to compliment them back really fast because at that time, I just didn't really know how to celebrate myself. I didn't really come from that within my household. In a lot of African households, it's about your rate of productivity, what you can do, what you can produce, striving for excellence out in the world. So performing high academically, taking on leadership roles within church, doing your chores to the best of your ability and being the best child that you could be. But it's not something that you really got praised or accolades for it was just looked at that's what you're supposed to do so when it came to receiving affirmations it was something that i was really uncomfortable with and even a lot more to this day but going back to that special quality that i was referring to earlier i would like to believe that it was my personality because before i ever developed any sense of an ego i was really one of those kids that was just free the same openness that you see from me today and that a lot of people credit me for I was like that since I was a little kid. So I was funny. <laughs> I was compassionate, competitive, communicative, curious. But most of all, I was a natural born leader. I would always volunteer for stuff in class. I would lead the lines. And I don't know. It just always felt natural to me. So think of a hybrid between a class clown and a teacher's pet. And that was me. I got in trouble a lot more than the average teacher's pet. though. <laughs> so I always had my own style. And wanted to do things my own way if everybody was getting s dots i go get some new balances or my aunt will buy me a pair of diaduras or things like that like i just always wanted to just be different i would get crazy hairstyles with parts afros braids now i got locks like i was just one of those kids i was very explorative when it came to my image and just i wasn't afraid to stand out so i was always smiling i always wanted to be around people always telling jokes always silly and that was just who I was. I loved my personality. When I was 12, I was in this rap group with two of my older friends, and we called ourselves the Christian All-Stars. <laughs> we had Young Rod. We had Lil Mont, who was myself. And we had YDP, which stood for Yeah Damn Papa. <laughs> and I wish I had pictures from this time period because we went down to the gallery after school because our school was downtown. And we got our shirts spray painted and everything. This was the area in Philly where everybody was wearing the oversized jerseys, spray painted shirts, headbands, 3XTs, fitted hats, you name it. <laughs> and I just remember at the time, I believe Dan was about 14. I believe Rodney was 15 or 16. And I had to be 12 or 13, y'all. But I just had so much charisma and natural belief in myself that I literally used to think that I was the best in the group, if not the second best rapper in the group. <laughs> and I remember we got asked to perform at a cookout after performing at our church. And even outside of that, I myself was in spelling bees. I was a groomsman at my aunt's wedding. And wherever I was at was kind of like my own personal stage. I really used to mimic people a lot and do different impersonations. 
and I just used to be in my own world, y'all. So the feeling of being put out in front of a crowd or talking in front of large groups of people and having a lot of a lot of attention on you was something that I had the luxury of overcoming at a very young age. And if you ask my family, they would probably tell you that I was just a natural and my humor was completely harmless at this time period. But I can say that all of this began to change once I got to high school. This is definitely where things got a little different and my personality began to take a drastic turn. I wasn't that silly kid no more that was unsure of himself. Now, I started to realize that I was actually attractive. I started to realize that I had something. And once I realized that, y'all, I started to act crazy. I'm not even going to stare at a lot to y'all because... It's different when you grow up in a church and you got the grandmas and the elders pinching you on the cheek, telling you that you handsome. It's like, yeah, you're supposed to say that. You done said that to every other kid in this church. Give me some candy, man. <laughs> but when you 15 and you walk into high school and you got 11th and 12th graders calling you their little boyfriend and they got breasts and bosoms and booties and curves and hips and dips and all that. You start looking at yourself a little differently in the mirror. So in my head, I was like, damn, I just went from little Mont to little boyfriend in the span of like two years. I was bugging you <laughs> because this was the first time in my life that women I was actually attracted to were openly attracted to me. And I could feel it now, y'all. Literally, I was being called beautiful sexy handsome i was being touched numbers were being left in my locker and in my book bag i was taking bus routes that were going in the opposite direction of my crib because i was just having that much fun walking people home and stuff like that yo even the oh my god he's skin so big started to hit different because i could visually see how these grown women were looking at me now in ninth grade, I was already about 5'11 and some change. My body was changing. My voice was getting a little deeper. And I believe I even started to grow a mustache and a little beard at this time. So with all that, my confidence just shot through the roof. But for a lot of young people that are trying to find themselves in high school, somewhere along that process, my ego began to get really conflated with ideas about who I thought I should be and who I really was on the inside and soon enough it began to show on the outside in my relations with my peers I became a lot more shallow I didn't have as much regard for people's feelings and emotions and overall I just became a lot more ruthless and cutthroat trying to prove my masculinity and some people who know me from this time period will probably be like Tay you exaggerating I don't know you to be this way but I'm sure there's other people out there that would say totally different because some rooms don't require for you to overcompensate as much and they know you so you could just be yourself but when you're in rooms and environments with strangers you could be whoever you want and i relish that opportunity and what i've since learned from that time period is that if you don't treat everybody that you come across with the same level of fairness and respect that they deserve but instead you pick and choose who you want to extend that kindness and empathy to based on how valuable you deem a person to be then I think that that makes you a low character, ugly individual, no matter how attractive you are on the surface. So to be honest, as kind and compassionate and as smart as I was on the inside, at times my personality was just so ugly because I lacked empathy and understanding. And it wasn't because I just wanted to be this terrible person, y'all. I realize now that 
all of the people that I deemed as powerful, confident, and highly respected when I was younger carried themselves in a similar manner. The bullies, the athletes, the super pretty girls, the people with money, the popular, they all had these varying levels of arrogance and indifference that almost made them seem like they were invincible. And that's no excuse, y'all. That's honestly my truth. So for those of y'all that truly know me, y'all know that I am an extremely charismatic and sensitive person. I care about anybody and everything. So conducting myself in that way actually went against my inherent nature. But looking back, I can see now that it was definitely more of a self-preservation thing. I thought I had to look the part to live up to this reputation that I was creating for myself. And I hope that y'all don't let that go over y'all heads, what I just said. So in a weird way, those same feelings that I experienced when I was younger and I used to go home in tears and ask my aunt, will my freckles ever go away? Or if I could change my skin tone because I hated how I looked. I didn't even realize it then, but when I got my first opportunity to have a sense of power or control in my life, I myself began to inflict that same harm I once felt onto other people because I thought it made me seem stronger or cooler. And that is the downside of privilege. A lot of times the advantages that people are afforded in society are simply unfair and they often go unchecked because of the power dynamics at hand. So it's almost like having a superpower that you could use at your own discretion. And if you let it, it can become oppressive to those that don't have the same level of advantage as you. For example, if a superhero uses their powers for bad, they could potentially cause irreparable harm to their community. But if they choose to use it for good, they could potentially save lives and help millions of people, which probably isn't the greatest example when you're talking about something like white privilege, which is much bigger in scope and impact. But in my experience, I've learned that at best, privilege should be used to break down barriers to access and to dismantle oppressive systems. Now, in layman's terms, for my friends and family that might not understand what that looks like, a more worldly example would be what Rihanna's doing right now through her Fenty line in the beauty industry. Her brand is growing at such a rapid pace because it allows for the representation of black and brown folks of all shades, queer and trans folks, and even people in various body types like never before. Tell me when you've seen a black plus size model in a commercial aired on national television. You just haven't seen that. So I believe that's a current example of Rihanna using her privilege to help introduce new standards of beauty and accessibility within the cosmetic space. But going back to my personal story. At this stage in my life, I was definitely using my privilege frivolously, which makes sense because I was only a teenager and I don't even fully know if I recognize the level of influence and impact I could have through my actions. And part of that was probably because I never really looked at myself as a role model to others. I was just living my life as I saw fit. And I also had a lot going on in my personal life that I needed to unpack and further understand. But I think the biggest turning point in my growth and development as a person came by way of two things. The first thing was definitely finding male role models and paying close attention to how they conducted themselves in public and private settings. Unfortunately, I have no recollection of my father. At this big age, I've never experienced a grandfather. I have no uncles that were present in my life. And a lot of boys where I'm from grew up not having their fathers present on a daily basis. 
So when I began to get mentored by male teachers, coaches, my pastor, and other authority figures, over time, because it took a little minute, y'all, to undo a lifetime's worth of learning, but I definitely did begin to see a change in my personality and in my demeanor because all of the men that I looked up to were extremely graceful in their presence and interactions with others. They seemed outwardly confident and self-assured. They were resourceful, strong, and they never seemed like they were trying too hard to uphold an image or be good at their job. They just did it. They just existed. They just were who they were. And soon enough, I began to emulate that. It took a little while, y'all, but I can definitely say it was one person in particular who I studied the most. And that person was my big bro, Amir. And I always tell this story whenever I can, because in my opinion, it illustrates the significance of young black men having access to older brothers that can show them the way of life. But what initially resonated with me about Amir, and y'all gonna laugh about this because it's a little vain, but... The first thing that caught my eyes was the way that he dressed and the way that he carried himself. He was the first person that I saw in the flesh with a pair of Mason Margellas. And at the time, I don't even know if I fully knew what they were. I used to go home and Google search everything that I saw him in. But Mary had St. Laurent kicks, Pradas, Gucci shades, leather Gucci bombers, patent leather Gucci sneakers. And I don't even know what type of jeans he was wearing, but... All of his clothes looked like they were tailored specifically for his build. No exaggeration. You could tell that he really did his fashion stuff for real. <laughs> Mary was actually the cameraman at my church. So I used to look for him every Sunday. Like, what's Mary going to put on today? But I remember in the beginning, our interactions would be really brief. So right now, yo, I'm going to do my best Mary impersonation. <laughs> so he would always look me directly in my eyes and he would say, what's up, baby boy? How you feeling? Yeah. You look good. You been out there hooping? Crushing them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what's up. How your grandma doing? Good. Good. Well, I love you. Stay out of trouble. <laughs> yeah. I know when Mercy this, he gonna be laughing because I just did him a hundred but That was a hundred percent. I still got it, y'all. I told y'all I'd be mimicking people real good, but... <laughs> I would leave those interactions feeling like I was on top of the world because, to be completely honest, Mary was just cooler than any teacher I ever had. And somebody else could probably say the same thing that he just said to me, but I just felt it a little bit more because it was coming from him. So those short exchanges at church, they soon turned into lunch outings and car rides where we would drive somewhere in the city that he had chosen. And we would just walk for miles and just talk about life, the things I was experiencing at home, girls, school, basketball, church, you name it. I remember one ride specifically. We rode to the mainline area, not too far from Villanova, I believe. And we used to ride past these big mansions and communities that were newly developed. And on this particular day, Mir was like, I'm going to show you where AI lives. And if you don't know who AI is, it's Alan Iverson, former 76er. So... We drove to that area and we just sat there for a while looking at the houses, critiquing the construction, picking our favorite car from whatever was in the driveway. And at the end of those conversations, Mary would look at me and he would be like, baby boy, you're going to be living like this one day. We going to be living like this. And he would just tell me his whole plan. I would just sit there and smile because I didn't know how or what I would be doing to be able to live in such a way. But nonetheless, I appreciated his belief and affirmations in me because 
prior to meeting Mir, I had never had an interaction or a dynamic like that with a man in my life. And I never got the chance to ask him why he did that or what those drives meant to him. But it dawned on me while I was creating this episode. And when Mir used to tell me that, I used to think that he was saying I was going to be rich and famous one day, just like AI. And the thought of that was just nerve wracking because I used to try to always figure out why. But now that I'm older... I realized that it was probably more about him just showing me that it was so much more that the world had to offer than what I was experiencing within the constraints of my neighborhood Southwest. And I think that's fly because I'm just now getting that. And it's about 10 years later. So I hope Mary watched this and I'm interested in knowing what's his thoughts on that. But the second experience that signified a change in my development came at the expense of a true brotherhood and friendship. So this one ain't as pretty. uh and I feel like I probably learned even more from this experience in particular because this was the first instance of where somebody that I actually cared about was negatively impacted by my behavior. Now, it's not to say that this person was perfect because they were far from it. <laughs> but at the end of the day, they were a good friend to me and they were my best friend at that. So just imagine from ninth grade to 11th grade, which is somewhere over a thousand days, we probably spent close to 600 of those days together. And if we didn't do that, that's how it felt because of how close we were. Our families were locked in and we were truly brothers and it probably could have been more. But I ended up transferring schools for a better opportunity during my senior year. So that was that I was now going to school downtown as opposed to 15 minutes away like my old school. But the main reason that we fell out was that this particular friend, he felt like he used to be the butt of a lot of my jokes. And he also felt like I was a show off in public because of how big my personality tends to be. And even though I ain't fully see it that way, I felt bombarded by this information and feedback because it was never my intention to make my friend feel some type of way or hurt his feelings. But over time, I was able to understand his point of view. Once I matured, I was able to understand his emotions and the impact of my behavior during that time period. And this is something that he knows already, but I'm definitely fully accountable for the mistakes that I made during that time period. But, you know, if I could go back, I wouldn't change anything about that experience. I would just wish that my brother knew that in those moments, my actions were more about the inner battles that I was facing within myself than actually trying to hurt him because... One thing I pride myself on, y'all, and this gets me hurt a lot, but I pride myself on the size of my heart. If I love you, what's mine is yours, and there's no limit to what I'll do to demonstrate my loyalty, compassion, and commitment to you. But when I say inner battles that I was waging with Finn, I mean that in relation to my self-esteem. And a lot of men will probably never admit that, but at this time and even going into college, I thrived off of knowing that I fit in, just like most people, knowing that I belong, knowing that I was special. I didn't even realize it then, but I definitely needed that external validation from people to know that I had any sense of worth or importance, and that's my truth, because at home, I really struggled, y'all. On the surface, a lot of people saw this tall, light-skinned guy that was popular, played on the basketball team, confident, self-assured, strong, Sometimes a troublemaker, but I still had this charm. So on the surface, a lot of times people thought 
my life was easy and I had it made based on me being able to get certain girls that I liked or something like that. But what most people didn't know is that I didn't know my mom. I didn't know my dad. I ain't know why my sister and I were adopted. I ain't know why my household looked different than so many of my friends. And it pains me to say that, yo. Like, I just felt a knot in my chest as I was expressing that to you. That's how I know that I'm telling y'all something real. All I knew is that I used to carry this heaviness in my heart. And I always felt like like I was like a, a pass around or like I would always be a burden to everybody that I came across, friends, family, women, anybody, because I used to think that if my parents didn't want to raise my sister and I, why would anybody else want to be associated with us or love us? And, you know, of course, I've since learned more about my family history and about myself, which has inevitably helped me to build up my self-esteem. And I have a wonderful relationship with my mom now. So I hope she's watching this. What's up, mom? <laughs> I'm just doing my thing over here. But that's just how I was thinking at the time as a middle schooler and a high schooler. So just imagine being blessed with immense beauty and abundant personality and so many natural gifts and talents. But not really knowing on the inside how special you are. And that's the story for a lot of kids where I come from. So in return, they start to move through the world operating from a system of minimal understanding and maximum overcompensation because they're trying to fill in those internal voids that they haven't yet learned to love about themselves. Because I don't care what y'all say. It's important to receive a mother's love. When my mom came back in my life, it... <laughs> I can't even explain the things that is done for me. Just talking to her on a regular basis, learning her story, learning her perspective of what took place, why she wasn't able to be there. And that changed me as a person. And I feel like it's going to make a lot of areas of my life a lot easier. Now, I haven't had the same opportunity with my father, but it's important to be nurtured by your father, your mother's treatment sets the precedent in your life for every woman that will follow her your father teaches you how to be a man so if you grow up without these elements at play in your life how do you think you'll act you know what you think gonna happen so in my experience if i had not gone through this experience with my boy i don't know if i would have the level of empathy love compassion and grace that i now extend to external situations and people but I know that I needed that to happen somewhere along my journey in order to gain the wisdom, clarity, and humility that I have today that will inevitably kickstart my process of loving myself a whole lot more. Because you can't effectively love other people without properly loving yourself. Hence the statement, hurt people, hurt people. And if you're wondering, me and my boy, we tight again. You know, we talk things out and the conversations that we had were truly a testament to the power of effective communication. And they weren't easy. I carried that guilt for years. Like I told him this when we reconnected, but it was several girls that came in and out of my life at that time period. And I used to tell them about him. I used to be like, damn, like I messed up. Like that was my boy. And the way I was moving, like my head was so big. You know, I lost one of my closest friends and like something like that is challenging because 
it's rare that you come across like genuinely good, solid individuals in this world. And when I talk to this man, I know that he loved me for me. Like, not too many people is blessed to have friends and people that come into their lives that just love them, not for what they have or what you could do for them. They just love you. And I see it when I come around. The way this man greets me, I don't even get greeted by my family like that. It's always, Demonte, because he Haitian. That's my boy, he Haitian. <laughs> so, Demonte, wah, wah, blah, blah, blah. And you need people like that in the world. Like, it's lonely out here. It's tough. And when I lost him, I lost a part of me because that's my, my brother. So, you know, I'm so grateful that we were able to build our relationship back up. And that's... That really showed me the power of love and the power of love is transformative. It's it's patient, it's it's understanding. So although we had some rough patches, I think a lot of it was due to a lack of understanding on both parts of how to communicate our feelings as men, how to work through and sort through our emotions. So that's a lot of the conversations that we talk about now. And I feel like the relationship that we have now is even better than what we had as children because of the ways that we could actually talk to each other so shout out to my boy mike man i wasn't even supposed to say his name but you mean it is what it is and together you know me and mike were able to realize through those conversations that we both had a role in us growing apart and it wasn't just about my huge personality like it may seem on the surface so the band is all back together and those were the two factors that ultimately led to the softening of my heart the change in how i carry myself and my humility more than anything but you know this is completely unrelated to my boy and something else i'm starting to acknowledge and i would be remiss if i didn't say this or speak on this but sometimes you can experience jealousy and envy from friends family and even strangers no matter what you do out here Sometimes just being you alone is enough to serve as a reflection to another person of their own insecurities. And I've seen it happen time and time again throughout my life and even up until this day. Have you ever seen the little black girl that never bothers anybody? She's beautiful. She's smart. And she has the most lovely hair and skin. And this girl gets terrorized on a daily basis just because of who she is and the level of comfort that she has within herself. We've all seen that at some step in our journey, and I was mindful not to set any parameters about the color of her skin or the length and texture of her hair because I really wanted y'all to use y'all imagination to think about this person because the spectrum of beauty in the black community is so broad. Whether you got the thickest, most coarse hair or the softest, most flowy, beautiful, and curly hair, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter if you're dark skin, light skin, brown skin, whatever the case, black is beautiful so i really wanted y'all to just use your imagination to imagine that and i hope that you stumbled across somebody that look like yourself or you know a black woman that you love and admire in your own life but you know in my personal experience i've come to realize that most of the people that i'm closest to at this stage in my life are individuals who are truly comfortable in their own skin and even if they're not, because none of us are perfect, but, you know, they're at least honest with themselves about their insecurities and they take ownership for them without projecting their shortcomings onto other people. So I don't find myself having to overly explain my intent to these individuals or 
tiptoe around the room when I'm in their presence because honestly, they not even worried about me at all. They too busy doing their own thing. So even in those moments where we don't necessarily see eye to eye for whatever reason, there's still always a level of mutual respect there because I want to believe that they understand it. When you're dealing with me, you're just dealing with a super passionate individual. I'm well learned. I'm well read. I'm well studied. And I happen to speak with a fiery conviction over the things that I believe in. I'm a podcaster. y'all. I can sit on a microphone with a camera in front of me, multiple cameras in front of me and talk for hours. So it's never personal despite how things may feel in the moment because i pride myself on being a person that combats ideas and not people unless i feel like somebody is committed to ignorance and you know that's when i might need a little help y'all i'm still growing in that regard we are consistently working on that but you know believe it or not that has been the main way that i've lost friends over the years it was never Tay did this behind my back. Tay was shysty. Tay was disloyal. Tay lied on me. Tay stole from me. Tay wasn't there for me. And if they say anything otherwise, do not believe them because nine times out of ten, my close friends would never tell you anything like that. To be completely honest, most of the people that I fell out with is probably because something that I said out of my mouth. And ten times out of ten, I more than likely said it to their faces. So if they felt disrespected or triggered by anything, it's understandable because I could definitely be bullheaded. Uh, I'm learning how to work on my tone and my delivery at times. But I just feel like if it's truly love there, then let's hash it out when the smoke clears and everybody isn't so emotional. Because if you're my boy, you're my family member, my girl, a loved one, anybody I will never say anything to purposely hurt you or belittle you. That's just not who I am. I'm not in the business of that. But I do understand that when you're a blunt person, oftentimes you don't really think before saying things. You just speak. So sometimes you could be a little bit too upfront without considering how your words might land for another person. And I can definitely take that on the chin. Like I said, I'm consistently working on that and. I want to be better in that area, but I'll also never be the friend that's going to stroke your ego by saying everything that you want to hear because that's never been who I am. And my peers know that I'm the type of person that will stand up in a room full of yeses and say no if I feel strongly enough. I'm the type of person who will tell my friend that raps or sings, yo, I saw what you was going for, but that wasn't it. Here's what I liked about it, and here's what I think that you could do better. And nine times out of ten, a lot of my friends come to me for that advice because they know I'm probably one of the only people that's going to be real. And I'm like that because that's the kind of feedback that I want to receive in my life. If you're my friend, I would rather hear these things from you as opposed to getting a whack reception from the world because the difference is I know you truly care about my livelihood and well-being. But, you know, a lot of people aren't like that. And it's funny because... I actually recited an excerpt from a Tupac interview in my public speaking class during my freshman year of college. Shout out to Ms. Bernhardt. I hope she's still alive. And it was the one where he talked about sparking a brain that will change the world. And because that part sounded so good, a lot of people were always hooked on that part. But what actually stood out to me the most was when he said, every time that I speak, I want to shiver. Every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. I don't want them to know what I'm going to say because it's polite because they know what I'm going to say. So even if I get in trouble, that's what we're supposed to do. And I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the brain that will change the world. And that's our job to spark somebody watching us because 
we might not be the ones, but let's not be selfish and because we're not going to change the world, not talk about how we should change it. I don't know how to change it, but I know if I keep talking about how dirty it is out here, somebody going to come and clean it up. <laughs> and I've said that and watched it so many times that I memorized it. And that's something that I live by. So in these instances, I'm not saying that I'm always right. I'm human, just like the rest of us. And y'all, my podcast is literally called Failing Forward. But I would rather be wrong any day standing up for what I think is right and for being a free thinker than opposed to just following the masses and doing nothing at all. And what I love most about the way that I am is that I don't run from challenging conversations. I'm not opposed to saying sorry as well. I would rather come back to you after an hour when I'm thinking clearly or after a week or even after a month and say, yo, I had some time to think about our conversation and I appreciate the things that you were saying. I didn't get it then, but I understand where you're coming from now. And I apologize for my ignorance or any hurt that I may have caused during the conversation. Is there anything else that you would like to say on the subject or that you feel like I should know? And I'm not just saying this for the camera, y'all. I've done this in real time. I've really faced my demons head on. It's because I don't want to live a life in fear or be a victim of circumstance. I want to grow. I want to know how to become a better person. And the only way that you could do that is having the courage to learn from your failures and doing your best to apply that information going forward. That's really all you can do. But one thing I'm starting to understand more and more as I get older is about the fragility of the male ego. And I say this because so many of us cling to our pride and are so afraid of showing any sign of vulnerability that somebody will literally try to kill you or assassinate your character because it's easier than doing the work of saying you hurt my feelings and I ain't like how you went about this. And if you think I'm exaggerating, y'all, I'm going to give a slight trigger warning. Why do you think we see these videos of domestic abuse, videos of men punching, kicking, stabbing and dragging women? But we've never seen a video of them doing anything even remotely close to another man. <laughs> or another thing that you'll see is people will join forces and almost form a hate campaign around not liking you because of things that you have absolutely no control over. Things that they could have probably spoken up on years ago, but they were too intimidated by your presence because in a lot of instances, this is the truth. They don't like the way that your aura shines when you walk in rooms. They don't think that you're worthy. They don't think that you're deserving. They don't like the fact that when it's time to perform or rise to an occasion, everything seems to come so natural to you with so much ease. But the thing about that is they haven't seen all of the work that you put in behind the scenes. Your confidence makes them feel small. Your charisma alone can hurt their feelings. And somebody else could probably do something to them that's 10 times worse than anything that you've ever done in the past. But because it's you, <laughs> all hell will break loose. And it took time to realize that a lot of that was rooted in jealousy, envy, and insecurity. Because if you can't talk to somebody that you love someone that you love after a disagreement and your first inclination is to dissociate yourself from that individual or go talk bad about them to your family and friends then that means that it wasn't really love there to begin with you just tolerated that person respectfully and if that's not the case then the case is probably that you got some things that you need to unpack within you to resolve whatever that pain or hostility that is in your heart especially if y'all don't have a history that's marked with negativity or pain and the funny thing about all of this y'all is that i've never had a jealous spirit 
I am the person that would like to see everybody win. And it's because I knew from a young age that I never had anything to lose by helping somebody else get ahead. And the naivete in me, (laughs) you know, I thought everybody was like that, but maybe I was wrong. And I hate talking about myself in a way that I'm about to, but I've revealed so many of my flaws throughout this video that I think it's only right that I share a little feel good moment. Um, as a testament to my character but a quick example of this i have a homie that does music and somehow one of my videos reached a notable rapper's tour dj who happens to also be a radio personality in a major market so apparently he saw one of my videos on instagram he reached out to me in the dms and one thing led to another and he said that the next time he's in atl for a show that i should pull up and we should break bread in person i'm like for sure so I would like to believe that the average person, especially in our generation, would probably instantly think about the clout that they could get from being around that person. But the first thing I did was call my boy and say, yo, you would never believe who I just connected with. And he's cool as hell. If the opportunity ever presents itself in the future, I would love to pass him off your music, even if it's just to see what he thinks. So stay ready, because if I could bring anybody to the concert or to the show, it's going to be you. He was like, word, that'd be amazing. Say no more, bet. And that same person is the person's music that you hear at the intro of a lot of my podcast episodes with all of his information listed in the description. So if you go back to episode one, two, three, however many, and you listen to the song that's at the beginning and you look at the description, that is a friend of mine. His music was in my videos before he even ever put music on apple music or put anything out i had nothing to gain from that i have a thousand followers on my other youtube channel and people would ask what was that song that you sprinkled in here oh this is my boy tap into the music blah 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 and i've always done things like that because i just want to help like i'm the type of person that if i'm in a room and somebody says something about being a chef and i got a friend that's a chef and i feel like this person could benefit them yo you should meet my own boy y'all should know each other y'all both do really good things and i've done this time and time and time again i've put my name on the line for people to get opportunities i've literally walked people into life-changing rooms i've put people on opportunities that probably took away from what i could have gotten out to do but i'm not really attached to my ego in every instance you know what i'm saying like i feel like we all have an ego and it drives us in certain aspects but a lot of times i try to fight that feeling like just to help somebody else or see somebody else get a big opportunity and maybe that's a part of my ego i don't even know but you know i said a lot to say like i'm not even gonna cite you know all of the things i've done for other people because i feel like that would be corny i feel like even telling that story was kind of corny but if you follow me over the years you have definitely seen all of the positive things i've done in my community and i've done it as somebody that was poor and the sad thing about that is out of all of the people that i helped i feel like i only got one or two people in my life that would do the same for me at the drop of a hat because when they had the opportunity to do it they didn't so you know, I say all that to say, um, I would literally give my clothes off my back to help somebody in need. And, you know, I've done it on so many instances. So it is what it is. But, you know, the last thing I'll say on this topic of communication is the importance of 
culture and how that comes into play because for a lot of us individuals that got to experience old-fashioned black parenting you would know that the people that raised us they held no punches people raised in the 50s 60s 70s and even the 80s were just cut from a different cloth and on top of that being an immigrant are you you gonna be in for a long day so if you think i'm blunt go try living with one of them for a year as for myself many of you know this i was raised by my grandmother she was a stern no nonsense disciplinarian and she's also african so when i was younger she thought that a lot of the rhetoric around raising children in america was weak because in africa things were just a lot worse so i'm not saying that everything that she did was right but there definitely was a method to her madness i just couldn't see it until i got a little older and i say all that to say People in our generation don't really know what it means to take personal accountability for their behavior or receive criticism, even if it's constructive, because in America, anything that feels too personal or direct is often taken as an attack and people don't want to be around you after that. We can't say nothing to each other if it's not fluffy or cute because you'll be canceled or people will call you mean. I just happened to be one of the individuals that got a taste of the old school child upbringing and I was fortunate enough to experience both African and American culture and take the best and worst parts of both. So, you know, when I speak, I'm very candid and direct because in African culture, people just say exactly what they're thinking. And it's something that's commonly understood. But I feel like in America, especially if you're in white America, I feel like if you're not well versed on all of the latest buzzwords and phrases that people like to use, they will eat you up out here and. You will not be liked if you have any type of opinion outside of the norm. Look at what just happened with Will and Jada. Will went up there and smacked that man. You got all these celebrities coming out and saying that they triggered. So you wasn't triggered when your ancestors was doing whatever they had to do to my people? That didn't have no effect on you. When you see these instances of police brutality and you stay quiet, that didn't trigger you? But because Will Smith went and smacked another black man on national television, he was triggered by that? Like, come on, yo. <laughs> I don't be having time. And it's stuff like that that be getting me, getting me in trouble, y'all. But, you know, I'll give y'all a quick example of what happens a lot here. You know, have y'all ever walked into a Caribbean spot to get food? And when you left, your first impression was, those people were so mean. They food was good, but I just wish they was a little bit nicer. And that sentiment is fair because everybody deserves quality food and quality care and customer service while they're in any establishment but what i don't think is fair is when people walk away from those experiences thinking oh all haitians and jamaicans are so mean and aggressive i went in there to get food and they ain't even smiled they just handed me my stuff and they were speaking in their little language back there i don't know what they were saying now tell me y'all haven't heard something like that before at some stop in your journey <laughs> but tell me this how many of those people that say those things do you think have taken the time to think that maybe these people are actually tired of doing this every day maybe they have family members back home that they're thinking about maybe they don't feel safe living on a foreign land or in some cases a lot of the best food is in the hood so maybe they stressed out from being in that environment but all in all in a lot of these foreign cultures we just don't sugarcoat stuff people tell it like it is right or wrong but i feel like in america we don't even take the time to peel those layers back with people because we don't really value one another. We don't value getting to know people beneath the surface. We don't extend that grace because 
that was never done for us in a lot of instances. We don't even know how to do that for ourselves. So why would we take the time to do it for another person? I think it's easy to say, oh, they're like this without really knowing what they've been through. So unfortunately, in a lot of instances, it's about what can you do for me and how I feel about the way that you did it. No, but I guess that's just life. So to close this conversation out, I want to piece this all together with that theme that I introduced in the beginning about simplifying your life. And this may not resolve everything that you're experiencing, but I'm sure it'll resolve a ton if you keep listening. So when I say simplify your life, it means exactly what it says. I'm the type of person that likes to speak in analogies and stories and parables, y'all. So I have one last one for y'all. But if you've ever heard a rich person or a celebrity talking about going through a near-death experience, if you listen closely as they relate the details of the catastrophic event, they'll usually follow it up by saying that it helped them refocus and begin to prioritize the things that matter most. Because sometimes on this road to success and sustainable wealth, the energy and attention that it requires of you can sometimes cause you to put the things and people that you love the most on the back burner. And after a while, you'll notice that a part of you feels empty and the things that you once looked to for sustenance can no longer satisfy you, whether that's women, money, clothes, cars or even travel. And the reason for that is because your soul is yearning for more. You're lacking fulfillment. And what do most people do after the world has kicked their ass or won the day? They go home And this is where I want to teach Or educate y'all for a second So in a spiritual sense Home is within you It's what's in your mind Your thoughts, your feelings, emotions Attention, your focus In the physical It may look more like family The foods you're eating, time spent Love, religion And the bonds that you create It may look different from person to person But the one commonality is now that you're now enriching your spirit with the true wealth of life instead of trying to satisfy it with meaningless, baseless things. Sometimes your circumstance might require of you to leave the job, the city, separate from friends, hang out with yourself, spend less, pray more, open up, let go, eat well, meditate sightsee without your phone embrace express listen and comprehend and the special part about all of the things that i just said is that most of these things are instinctual so if you're truly one with yourself they'll typically happen naturally if you let them and i'm going to make a quick assumption here that may or may not be true so i ask that y'all please extend some grace as i relate this thought but we all know the feeling of love, so go where you're loved. <laughs> we all know how it feels to be seen and appreciated, so invest your time and energy with those that appreciate you. We all want to be understood at some level, so spend your time with the people that get you and don't cause you to question your existence. And if you haven't been fortunate enough to experience any of those things, if you can quiet the noise in your mind and truly listen to your body it'll tell you when you're unsafe or when someone's energy isn't pure because as humans we are intuitive beings and we are more powerful than people can imagine 
And if you're unsure of how to interpret these things as someone else, just trust what they do, because how a person treats you is a direct implication of how they feel about you. And if all else fails, don't be afraid to ask questions. Make your life simple, because a lot of times we tend to overcomplicate things by trying to fit into these different circles when maybe you were made to be a square or a triangle or a rectangle or a trapezoid. So instead of trying to force something that clearly doesn't fit, don't be afraid to rock solo for a while or find peace in doing the little things like reading, cleaning, taking walks or journaling, because in those little things is where your strength lies. And the more you simplify certain aspects of your life and find rituals that will help you stay in alignment, one day you will look up and you yourself will have become the person or thing that you were looking for in the world. And with that, you'll begin to attract better people. Things will start to feel easy. Your mind will be at peace and your aura will shine a lot differently because sometimes we just got to strip ourselves of everything that we thought was good and build back better because believe it or not sometimes the hardest thing to do in life is to choose yourself so i hope at least any part of that <laughs> made sense and i hope y'all enjoyed the episode like i said i'm gonna take a slight break y'all i got my one-year anniversary coming up i got a birthday i got a couple graduations to attend so i'm gonna be traveling a little bit over the next month or so so just bear with me but throughout that process i'm gonna definitely be brainstorming some content to bring to y'all so I appreciate y'all for listening or viewing or whatever platform you were receiving this from. I ask that y'all keep up with me on social media. So my Instagram is my main platform. I am Tayloso, I-A-M-T-A-Y-L-O-S-O. My YouTube channel is T-A-Y-L-O-S-O. Make sure y'all subscribe to both channels. That channel has more lifestyle content, and this one is more focused on the podcast. So um, I just ask that y'all follow me on all these social medias and I got a lot to share with y'all, y'all, because I went to church last night and I didn't even get the opportunity to touch on that. But I want to reflect on that experience because it definitely been a good five plus years since the last time I stepped into a church. So, you know, we're going to talk about that if y'all interested. But anyways, you know, thanks for the love and support. Always. It took me three times to record this episode. So hopefully this one is good <laughs> and we're going to rock out. Hopefully it'll be out sometime this week. So I'll see y'all soon.